Hello friends, this is Marianne McKibben-Dana and welcome to the Blue Room. We continue our season of Hope Notes in which we look at works of art and pop culture with an eye toward what they have to teach us about hope. Today, a reflection on Tick, Tick, Boom, last year's biopic of composer Jonathan Larson. The film was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda and stars Andrew Garfield. So the premise of the film is a little complicated, but I'll try to break it down for you. Tick, Tick, Boom is a movie version of a musical called Tick, Tick, Boom. And the musical Tick, Tick, Boom is about the process of writing a different musical called Superbia, which got workshopped to a bunch of musical bigwigs, but never got produced on or off Broadway. The movie takes place over about a two-week period around Larson's 30th birthday in the early 90s in New York. So with all of these different works working together, it's almost kind of a nesting doll of different works of art that are all fitting together. And it's a testament to Lin-Manuel Miranda's directing ability that you never really get lost in where you are in the story. And hovering over all of it is Jonathan Larson's masterwork, Rent, which doesn't exist yet in the universe of the movie, but you see early hints and themes of that show. Now, Tick, Tick, Boom is a little bit of a tortured creative genius story, which as a writer, I often find pretty tiresome. The stereotype is usually male, and he's a bad friend, and he's a bad partner, and he can't pay his bills, and all of that is in the service of being an artist with a capital A. And it would be nice if the world were more hospitable to the creative process, but as someone whose first book came out when I was 40 years old, and who figured out how to write while nursing babies, or while my toddlers played underfoot, or by stealing snippets of time while a kid was at cello lesson or swim practice. I just find stories about artistic entitlement pretty tedious. But I really loved this movie. And there were a couple of things that kept it from being frustrating and self-indulgent. One of them is the performance of Andrew Garfield, who is so winning and so genuine in this role. And Jonathan Larson as a character, he has a kind of self-awareness that really makes it work. He knows he's being a bad friend. He knows his girlfriend deserves better. He simply feels overwhelmed. He seems to be saying, all of these things are important and I want to do them all well. And that is a universal feeling. I don't know anyone who doesn't toggle between a multitude of personal and vocational responsibilities while feeling like they're not doing any of them well, especially right now. So the overwhelm is really relatable. But there's another reason I felt warmly toward this story and found it really powerful. And it's the awareness of the untimely death of Jonathan Larson at age 35, just as Rent was opening. And it gives such a bittersweet gravitas to this story. The young man in Tick, Tick, Boom, who is desperate to make a name for himself, will be dead just five years later. 
And we hear at various times in the movie a clock ticking away. Tick, tick, tick. There's a question also that hangs over the movie. It's an unstated question, but I kept hearing it and thinking about it. It's a question from a different musical, Hamilton. Why do you write like you're running out of time? Both Alexander Hamilton and Jonathan Larson live and create with a kind of desperate ferocity, as if they know any moment it will all be over. Youth is fleeting, and before you know it, you're washed up with kids and a mortgage. And I get it, even though I left my 20s a long time ago and am squarely, squarely in middle age, with more years behind me than in front of me. And for many of us, whatever our age, the past few years have been a collective experience of realizing there are no guarantees. Life, health, security, even routine. The pandemic has laid bare all of the fictions we cling to about being in control. But not just the pandemic. I live in a northwest suburb of Washington, D.C., and the images out of Bucha, Ukraine, have horrified the world over, but Bucha is also a northwest suburb of a nation's capital, which has made the images feel especially harrowing for me. War, gun violence, the threats against democracy, climate change, it all looms over us all the time. Tick, tick, tick. So what is the answer? The Stoic philosophers have a practice called memento mori, to remember that we all must die. I heard recently that in the Asian nation of Bhutan, they say that the key to happiness is to contemplate death five times a day, to tune into our own ticking clocks. Tick, tick, tick. Why would this make us happy? Because it's clarifying. It helps us cherish what we have and make the most of it. It's eerie that Larson was so unrelenting, so insatiable in his desire to create, given what would become of him. But it leaves me wondering whether there's a lesson in it. Maybe we don't want to be as obsessive as Jonathan Larson was as portrayed in Tick, Tick, Boom. But I like the idea of living with a sense of holy urgency. We need to do that in a sustainable way, tending to our own care and the people around us, but also knowing that we don't have a moment to lose to try to make the world more beautiful. Larson figures this out for himself. He, he realizes he needs to find a way to be a better friend, especially to his friend Michael. But he also needs to tell the stories of the people all around him who are living with and dying from HIV. At the end of the movie, it becomes clear that Superbia is not going to make it to Broadway, that Larson's hopes of making it big with that show will not be realized. And he asks his agent, what do I do now? And she says, you start the next one. And it occurred to me, even if Superbia had been a big success, that still would have been the task before him to keep creating. And that's where I see hope in this film. 
the idea that we never arrive, that we are called to keep going, keep striving, keep creating, keep loving. Those of us in the church are preparing to celebrate Easter next week, the resurrection, that wondrous story of life triumphing over death. But the resurrection of Jesus is not an answer or a destination. Instead, the resurrection opens up a whole new set of questions. How do we live now? What does new life require from us? How can we build the beloved community here on earth? The brokenness of the world is all around us. It can feel overwhelming and sometimes we need to pull back. But seeing the world as it is also invites us to get in touch with our vulnerability, which maybe inspires us to make the most of the time we have to dare to do the things that matter. As the pastor William Sloan Coffin used to say when blessing the congregation he served, may you have grace never to sell yourself short, grace to risk something big for something good, and grace to know that the world is too dangerous for anything but the truth and too small for anything but love. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Hope Notes. Please check my website, MarianneMcKibbenDana.net, where you'll find a schedule of new Hope Notes conversations and a place to register so you can participate in real time. I'm Marianne McKibben Dana, speaking to you from Reston, Virginia, the ancestral land of the Manahoac people. This podcast was produced and edited by Caroline Dana. Thank you, as always, for listening. Steady on.